Welcome to the July edition of Life in the Tax Line. Happy Canada Day, happy 4th of July, happy birthday to any other country that had a recent birthday. We don't know all of them, but we really don't want them to slap a tariff on us. <laughs> all right. Well, you and your happy Cheerios. <laughs> having said that, we're going to jump right into the first issue, which is Bill C-74. Oh my goodness. Glad this, I got the happy out there early. Yeah, no kidding. It just got killed by this one. Bill C-74 had parts of the 2018 federal budget, plus a number of other little nuggets in there, including the taxation of cannabis. So the weed bill is out there. Not can I use it, but how much am I going to have to pay on it for tax? The most important part of the bill. Of course, for us anyways. <laughs> uh, the next one had to do with tax on split income, and then the also the specified, not specified, but uh, investment income earned within a corporation. So mm -hmm. all of these things, all the votes are done. This is here to stay. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, any thoughts on that, guys? Well, I think we're lucky. CRA is starting to provide a little bit of commentary, in particular on these TOSI rules. And we had a few notes from the step round table. Yeah. For those who were holding out hope this would not go through, well, now we know 2018 is the year. Back to January 1st, if we got to look mm -hmm. at the rules, we got to learn all these exceptions. And we did get some comments from CRA on the excluded shares exception, which has been the one that's probably caused the most confusion since it was announced back in mid-December. If you own a significant portion of the company, 10% or more, <coughs> and if it meets 473 other nitpicky little requirements, a couple of the big ones being the company doesn't get its income from other related businesses, doesn't get its income from carrying on of services, provision of services, and uh, CRA gave us a few answers on that. Uh, thanks for the clarity, CRA. I don't know that I'm thankful for how you clarified it. Uh, if you've got a holding company and you were holding out hope, well, forget it. CRA's view is holding company dividends aren't going to qualify because holding companies pretty much always derive their income largely, if not entirely, from related businesses. What if I don't have any business income whatsoever? Does that mean that over 90% is derived from something other than services, one of the requirements? CRA said, no, that means zero out of zero is derived from other than services, and that's mathematically undefined, so you lose and you go into the top personal tax rate under the tax on split income, so guess we better find another exception to qualify for. Uh, it's going to be a long summer looking for those. Yeah. That's right. So Katie, let's take a look at the next one. Directly yeah. liability in a different way. Yeah, so usually when we think about the personal liability that a director may have, we're talking about in the context of unremitted GST, HST, maybe payroll withholdings. We have a Tax Court of Canada decision, however, that looks at this in a different light. As a director, could I be personally liable for the corporation's income tax debt? And the court here ruled uh, that no, just because you're a director, just because you take on normal activities of a director does not make you personally liable. However, however, if you take that extra step forward and are provided or assume additional roles and responsibilities and are considered to be a legal representative of the taxpayer, then you may be personally liable for the corporation's tax debt. So it's just, you know, something to keep in mind. This court decision looked at the distribu distribution of assets on uh, a dissolution, but um, good thing to, to keep in mind there. 
Let's move on to the next concept here, business or personal expense. We had an individual who was a professor at an art or, or art and design school. Now, this person took a one-year sabbatical, and during that time, uh, she worked on the production of a video in addition to a number of other smaller projects. So there was some income, but there was also large expenses to the tune of approximately $35,000. So the question is, are these deductible or not? Well, the court took a look at this to determine whether she was conducting this business in a commercial manner. Was it truly a business? Some of the things they noticed was, well, this video that you made took four years to produce. And by the way, this one right here is taking less than four years. But we uh, feel like it's <laughs> taking four years to get through it. So the, the court said, well, that was kind of a leisurely pace, not too commercial. Mm -hmm. So that was the first thing. They also talked about the accounting records and the receipts, basically saying at the time the CRA audit was done, that was when you just organized all of your receipts and did all of that type of work, a normal business wouldn't do that. They would have everything, all their ducks in a row right from the get-go on an annual basis. So you're not looking like a business here. This was not good for that person. Yeah. What about you two? Any thoughts from this case? Well, I think the court did provide a number of other comments of interest. They said, well, if we did find that there was a business, let's talk about some of the expenses that you argued. Number one, you're an artist. You have to travel somewhere to get away from all the hush rush and craziness of the city so you can properly do your work. Are those travel amounts uh, deductible? And the court said, no, uh, that would not be a deductible expense. Yeah. But nice try. Yeah. <laughs> what about the uh, cell phones? That's right. Well, that was interesting. Yes. The, uh, the court said, I would have given you about 25% of your internet and phone usage. And uh, they mentioned even your home phone, which CRA has always felt you don't spend anymore to use it for business outside of direct long distance costs. Why would you be allowed to deduct a portion of it? Everybody needs to have a phone. So that certainly wasn't the way the court saw it. That's uh, right. There's no incremental cost there. You don't get anything. A yeah. lot of interesting issues came out of that case. Uh, now, one expense that she didn't have to deal with, or the court decided they weren't going to deal with, was the uh, meals and entertainment rules, which pretty much everybody who deals in the tax area is pretty familiar with. Only half of most meal costs, most entertainment costs, a few exceptions, but we don't see a ton of them in practice, are deductible. Well, CRA gets asked all the great questions. How would you like your job to be going to sporting events? Because you're a recruiter of hockey players. Well... I got to go to all these hockey games, and that's not entertainment. That's work. So since it's not entertainment, I get to deduct it all, right, CRA? Why do we ask CRA these questions? <laughs> CRA's answer was, you went to sporting events. We don't care why you went to the yeah. sporting event. If it didn't have some business purpose, there'd be no deduction. So the 50% add back is for stuff that has a business purpose, you went to an entertainment event, you get to deduct mm -hmm. half of the costs. And Whether you like it or not. I see confusion in that, not only for entertainment, but for meals as well, that mm -hmm. sometimes you're incurring those meals because you're traveling for business. Well, right. guess yes. what? There's still meals, so still a 50% add back. In so. most cases, there are some few exceptions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, let's flip gears a bit. Uh, a number of months ago, you may have heard of a tax court decision uh, that looked at whether the partnership allocations to a retired partner, actually from a large accounting firm, was pensionable. And the tax court decision 
upheld CRA's uh, assessment that it was pensionable. Well, this went to the Federal Court of Appeal, and we now have the decision from the FCA, and they have, in fact, overturned the tax court decision. They have said that these partnership allocations would not be pensionable. Essentially, the reasoning behind this is the deeming provision that the tax court relied on was not relevant according to the Federal Court of Appeal for CPP purposes. And so this is definitely a little bit of good news for all those partners out there getting these allocations in their retirement. Yeah, and, by, and by the way, the deeming provision is basically the one saying, even though you're not an actual partner, we're yep. going to deem you to have received partnership income in certain scenarios. Yep. Good for tax, doesn't apply to CPP. Absolutely. Next item to talk about is the IRS. Well, guess what? Our friends down south uh, have uh, launched six new campaigns, enforcement campaigns. Five of them are targeted on non-residents. Guess who? Well, I'm thinking that the Canadians are probably going to be the biggest target of these projects. So. What are some of the areas that they're looking at? Well, first of all, we have foreign trusts. So that could be a Canadian trust in which a U.S. person, so resident, citizen, uh, or green card holder, is either a settler, a beneficiary, a trustee, somehow involved in this trust. There could be filing obligations there. Are they doing it right or not? Well, I hope so, because there are major penalties involved. Joe, where I see this overlooked a lot sure. is where we've got an estate <clears throat> and one of the beneficiaries has moved to the U.S. That's, That's right. That's really easy to overlook. Mm -hmm. Creates that issue in the U.S., mm -hmm. creates issues for us in Canada as well. And the other side of this, too, is they also are looking at individuals, for example, working in the U.S., might have been earning some money. You're not a U.S. resident, but you still have to pay tax there. Are you doing it correctly? Are you claiming the proper credits, the proper uh, deductions? Are you using the treaty in the proper way? So really looking at those non-residents in pretty significant detail. Any final thoughts? Well, heads up for a little bit more activity for us Canadians or our Canadian clients. And that is all we have for this month. See you next month. Life in the Tax Lane is presented by Video Tax News. The Video Tax News team has been supplying practical tax information to accountants and tax professionals for over 30 years. This Canadian-based company presents live and video seminars to thousands of tax professionals relating to both personal and corporate tax. Learn more at videotax.com. That's B-I-D-E-O-T-A-X dot com. The preceding information is for general educational purposes only and deals with dynamic, time-sensitive, and complex matters that may not apply to particular facts and circumstances. Information provided should not be relied upon as a substitute for specialized professional advice in connection with any particular matter. For more details, see videotax.com slash disclaimer. Copyright Video Tax News, Inc., 2018, all rights reserved.